Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. As I enter into this message, I believe that we've already begun to get into the river of God's spirit, of his presence. And uh, I ask that you don't come out and dry off. But you allow the spirit of God to continue to saturate and to just do what he wants to do. Man, as we were singing that song, come on my soul, he just began to stir in my spirit. Well, I say not my spirit, my spirit's already stirred up, but he began to stir in my soul. Because that's what we were asking, Lord, come on my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, rise up and praise the Lord. The finicky parts, the inconsistent parts, the hard-headed parts of us, that those things would glorify God. And it's in and through those things that those things come into the obedience of Christ that we step into the fullness of what God has called us to. Because there's going to be days that we don't feel like it. And then there's going to be days that we feel like it. But we can speak forth that word over our soul and cause it to do things that it sometimes doesn't want to do. Understand, we are in control of that to some degree. So when we verbally command, soul, rise up, praise the Lord, put on a garment of praise, get your faith up, get your hope up, guess what? It has to submit to those things. And it changes our posture, it changes our demeanor, it changes our focus, it changes our attitude, it changes everything. Because we have to understand this morning that the Spirit of God inside of us, the Spirit part of ourselves, desires to please God to the full extent of everything we are. That's the part in us when we come to that place of salvation. It says, I, you know, I will put my spirit within you. I'll take your heart of, of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He actually replaces that part of us Amen. where it loves God. It has the thoughts and the intents and the motives of God. And I, I believe that our spirit and the Holy Spirit work together to accomplish most of the great things in our life. But it's the soul side of us that gets in the way. But if we begin to speak over our souls and we stir in our souls those things that, that cause us to long for the things of God rather than longing for the things of the world, we will have more encounters with God than we could ever imagine. Amen. One thing God really showed us this week is that that soul of us is being brought into the obedience of Christ. But what does the flesh side of us do? It's all flesh. It's going to do what the flesh does. You will never be removed from the struggle of the flesh until we go to heaven. It's going to sin. It's going to be lazy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do what it wants, when it wants, how it wants. Anybody ever experienced that? But if we side with the things of the flesh, we will gratify the things of the flesh, the scripture says. But if we focus on the things of the spirit, we will gratify the things of the spirit. So the choice is really up to us. What, what is streaming more in your life? And this week we came out of a week of fasting. Well, what we do when we fast, we crucify the flesh and the desires of the flesh. And we say, Lord, we are no longer going to pursue the things of the flesh, but we're going to move over here and we're going to strive to push towards the things of the spirit. So our soul is in this tug of war. It's in this conflict of like, do I side with the flesh? Do I side with the spirit? But when we side with the spirit, things begin to change. Things begin to get better. How many of you ever find good outcomes with uh, agreeing with the things of the flesh? You think it might be a good idea, but you stay there long enough. It'll cost you way more than you want. And most of the time, the things of the flesh are contrary to the things of God. 
But God is stirring the waters of his spirit this morning. He is stirring in the hearts of people. I was thinking about that passage from John 5, verse 4. It says, when the, sorry, I'm completely changing everything on you guys for a second. John 5, verse 4, it says, For the angel went down at a certain time into the pool, and he stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well. And whoever had diseases was made well. Now a certain man was there. He'd been there for a long time. He had actually had infirmities for 38 years. Can you imagine waiting for 38 years to get into a pool of hope? That when the spirit of God, the angel of God, whatever it was, you know, that stirred those waters, if you got in first, you might get your healing. Now, after 38 years, I may be discouraged. I may be hopeless. I may be at the, at the place of where I've kind of given up. Anybody been waiting on something for 38 years? Yeah, that's a long time. Like 38 years is when I was two years old. Give you a good record. That's like the, my whole life waiting that long on God to do something. But this morning, I hope God begins to stir in your heart. It doesn't matter how long you have waited, how long you have longed, because there's a different stirring. There's a stirring of, stirring of our souls. And we see in that story that Jesus came and he asked him the question, well, what's wrong? He says, well, I want to be made well, but I've, I can't get in the pool. I can't do anything in my own strength. I can't get there on my own. And all along, he was talking to Jesus. A lot of times we think it's what we can do or what we can change or what we can adjust. But when Jesus shows up in our presence and has the potential to change everything, it's in that moment, in that encounter, where we are one moment away from everything changing. 38 years. And I didn't know that in the end of that 38 years that the Messiah was going to come just for me. Because he had a plan in that waiting. He had a plan in that, in that grieving and that crying and that, in that feeling that rejected and abandoned and left alone. I think he knew all of those things. Jesus was a man who was led by compassion for people, for the lost, for the world. He would go and, you know, I think the disciples were like, where are we going now where there's this one guy that he's been waiting for 38 years and today is his day. Today is that moment where we're going to come and his whole life is going to change. And sometimes we don't know when that moment comes, when our whole life will change. But it's in that moment. And he says, um, what do you want? He says, I want to be made well. And he says, sir, I have no one. And then Jesus looks at him. He doesn't put him in the water because guess what? Jesus doesn't need the stirring of the waters. Because he has the full power of God at his disposal. He has the full authority of God flowing through his veins. And he speaks to him and he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And it says, immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. I don't even know if you know how to walk if you've been paralyzed and haven't walked for 38 years. But I'll tell you what, he figured it out real quick. Because what he had been waiting on finally came. This morning, we're going to talk about changing the world. And to be able to change the world, we have to have the heart of God for the world. We have to be driven with the same kind of compassion and love and, and, and saying, Lord, whatever it takes that all may know, I'm willing to do it. But there has to be something burning inside of you, a passion inside of you. And I would say the challenge to, to change our world or to do missions or to go beyond what we're comfortable with, it has to be focused on this heart that all may know. We must be filled with the compassion of Christ. 
Because how many of you know it's easy to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind because he is trustworthy. He's never compromised your trust. He's never let you down. He is worthy of that trust. But the other side, love your neighbor as yourself. Man, Lord. We talked a little bit about that last week, about just the challenge of loving people, this radical love. Like what it takes when, when Jesus said, love your enemy, do good to those who persecute you. Come on, Jesus. You don't know this neighbor. You don't know this country. You don't know these people. But God knows these people. God knows their heart. Just like he created you and I, he created them with a purpose and a plan. And I think sometimes we look at ourselves of more value than others. That's why we are selfish and we're self-seeking and we are self-focused. But if we, will, if we will step into this reality of realizing that Jesus came for all people. And for us to change the world, we got to expand our borders. It's beyond your chaotic family. It's beyond your chaotic neighbors, but there is a world full of people that are hungry and thirsty for Jesus, but they just don't know it yet. They are looking and they are searching and there's something longing inside of them, but Jesus is the peace that fills all of that. But for us to really desire, for us to, to change the world, we have to change our perspective. And we have to ask God, help me love people better. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, somebody I don't love or I don't have compassion for, I'm probably not going to share the gospel with, right? Or I'm not going to stop and help them, or I'm just going to be focused on my own agenda. How many of you know we are inconvenienced for those we love? You, you, you ever ignored and ghosted a call? If it was somebody that was really important to you, if your wife calls, you better answer. Your husband calls, you better answer, right? But how many of you have been guilty of when you say, ah, don't lie, all right? There's been those times like, I call them back later. It's not, it's not you know, not that we don't, but it's, it's just a different kind of love. It's a different kind of relationship. But what if we treated everybody just as important as God sees them? What if we reached out not because we wanted to, but because God wants us to? What if we begin to have God's heart rather than just our, our own heart filled with compassion Loving those who maybe seem really, really unlovable. But there's a world out there that's hurting, that's broken, that's wounded, that's defeated, and they're bound. But God has given us the authority to walk out his word and his power to the nations of the world. I'm convinced of that. Uh, last year, Becky and I had the opportunity to go to Brazil on a mission trip. We haven't been in like almost like 10 years, which is mind boggling. I'm like, either I'm not going enough or I'm getting really old. Probably getting really old, right? Um, but it had been that long and, you know, we were wrapping our mind around it and said, man, well, what were we doing? And it's not that we weren't doing anything. And then I remember going and I was asking God, why do I need to go? Surely you got somebody out there that can do what I need to do or speak what I need to speak. Like, you need me to go do that. And it's not that he needs us to, he wants us to. That he releases us in that area of authority. And, you know, um, I went to Brazil and I prayed over the topics and the messages. And, you know, we hadn't been in a long time, so I couldn't cater the messages to what I knew they were dealing with. Sometimes that's easy, you know, if somebody's dealing with relational issues, well, preach a message on relational, you know, if you know they're, you know, giving is an issue, well, preach a message on giving. But I felt like as I went to Brazil, I, 
I preached and, and, and taught on messages that I felt were in the heart of God. And as I began to share those things after, I didn't realize that the church and the people in, those, in the church was really struggling with what I was talking about. I said, well, I mean, it wasn't like somebody told me all your business and I showed up and preached what they told me to preach. But the Spirit of God will use you to speak what is necessary on his behalf. And he doesn't just send you with, with no power, but he sends you with the full authority of God. If we realize the authority, the, the authority that he gave the disciples, he has also given to us. Now, if that's true, how many of you know that we are really underutilizing that authority? Right? We really are. Like, I think we're like, well, Lord, you know, uh, you know and, and I think this is a mindset we have to really adjust because if the Holy Spirit lives in me, we agree to that, is the Holy Spirit limited? What's the answer to that? Is he limited to any gift, any ability, any power, right? Now, within myself, is there any power? No, right? Just physical strength. But the Spirit of God has spiritual strength. It has supernatural power that has been deposited in where? In me and you. How about we flip that switch and we start utilizing that greatest gift? He didn't just give us that gift for our own ability. He gave us that gift so we could change and bless the world. I can't. You got to listen to the podcast. Because uh, I don't have any notes on this. Okay. So what, what's, what's happening is, is he's given us these things to release to the world. But we are so caught up. So, so we're going into the world and, and, and reaching the world. Our focus changes where it's not just internal. It's not just close proximity. But we actually stand back and we begin to have the imagery of God where we're looking at people groups, we're looking at nations, we're looking at unreached people groups, uh, maybe even the persecuted church that, that, that is having to hide their Christianity you know, for the sake of following Christ. And if they are exposed, they are killed. We have it really easy here, but there is, there is, there is people that are willing to die for their faith. They are being rejected by their families because of their faith. These are the people that God loves. These are the ones that are being bold and courageous to share their faith. The only time you're persecuted is if you're willing to share what God has done. In some of these third world countries, some of these churches that are persecuted for their faith are willing. They knew that death was an option. All through the gospels, we see the disciples, many of them were murdered and killed, persecuted for their faith but they knew the testimony of what they were preaching. It says that they actually counted it all joy when they, when they, be, when they, when they were allowed to participate in the suffering of Christ. Man, think about that. Y'all get all upset when the AC's too cold or the heat's too hot. I mean, that's like the extent of like our like inconvenience. I feel like, you know, it's really, when we think about the inconvenience of what we get frustrated with, it's not a persecution of our faith. I mean, if anything, it's maybe a fear of man, so we shrink back and so we don't share anything. And, um, you know, I was, I've been asking God, Lord, how do I tangibly love people better? How do I intentionally not just love people inside the four walls of the church or in my family, but how do I begin to love the world? And, um, you know, we went to a restaurant the other night and the, the little girl came up and she said, hey, how are you guys are doing? I said, we're doing well, Kayla. Had her name tagged. She stopped. She's like, man. And you know, she said, man, nobody's ever done that. I was like, well, they, I'm sure they give you name tags for a reason. But I made it a little personal. 
And I didn't share the gospel or I didn't make it over religious. But, you know, when I called her by name, I said, God, help her know she's seen. Because I think that's the biggest thing. Man, so many people just go through this world and they feel like nobody sees them. Nobody cares. So when we go to a third world country or we do missions or we strive to reach the world, if anything, you know what it says? Man, God loves you that he sent me all the way across the globe to tell you he loves you. And in those moments, there is something about the going and the willingness to reach out and to love people. And if you will be obedient to the going, God will be obedient and he will work out that love and those, that compassion for those people. You know, missions, man, it changed my life. Um, this, this summer, I'm, I'm going to give you a quick little uh, um, intro to this, but um, we are planning a trip. Our ODE, Open Door Enterprises, is actually hosting a trip to Brazil this summer. It's going to be June 20th through July 2nd, so not this Sunday, but next Sunday following both services. We're going to have just a quick informational meeting if you're interested in going. But missions, you know, uh, COVID kind of derailed missions a little bit. It made it where, you know, a lot of the borders, a lot of the travel changed, and um, really the missionaries saw a humongous drop in the people showing up. Well, I'm going to challenge you. You guys look toward to me for leadership, what to do, what not to do. Hey, listen. The next step is we need to relaunch missions like we've always done it. We need to be investing in third world countries, giving, supporting, going. I always, I've been telling my kids, um, so for those of you who don't know, me and my whole family are going to Brazil this year. That is a stinking leap of faith. I say, Lord, I don't know how we're going to work it out, but I've seen a passion and a desire to go for my kids. They don't even know where they're going or what they're doing. There's no hype in it because like I've been before, so I know what we're doing and what we're getting into. But it's just like, man, we're going. And, and you know, they're asking me all kinds of questions. Well, how long is it going to take to get to Houston? I was like, well, we go to Houston all the time. Well, how long is the plane ride going to be? It's going to be a long time. Well, um, like, you know, and they're asking me all of these questions. And man, I see in their eyes and in their heart just a curiosity of the world before them that is unknown. But there's, so, you know, one of the most powerful things to keeping your focus in, in really reaching the world and, and changing your world, it's keeping a global perspective. And the key is missions exposure does that. Some of you, you know, you don't, I mean, you know, you get mad when the power gets, goes off for a little bit, but guess what? We very rarely lose water. Guess what? You don't need electricity, but you need water. Now, I remember times in Africa, you know, where we'd turn the water on and we might have water, we might not. And if we did, you know, sometimes the only way we'd have water is pump water from a main source to a well. I mean, it's a whole process. But how many of you go in the morning and you go to that water faucet and you turn that faucet and you wonder if water's going to come out or not? I don't do that. Do you do that? Unless you had some water pipe bust or something like that where you're like thinking about it. But we never think about that. But in third world countries, there's a lot of things that um, will, will shake our reality. Of, you know, so one of the things that missions did for me when I came back, it made me thankful and grateful for a lot of things. You know, it made me realize I don't need all this stuff. The hyperculture of chasing after all of these things. You know why we sometimes don't have funds to, to support missions? Because we're chasing the American culture dream and wasting a lot of that money on stupid stuff that doesn't matter. I'm just telling you, like, you know, think about what, you know, look at your expenses these last three months. How much did you invest in missions and how much did you invest in stuff? Right? 
I'm just telling you, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm guilty. We're looking at it all the time. You know, um, you know, our goal is to support, you know, some missionaries this next year. And, you know, Becky's like, I feel like we should support these guys. I'm like, baby, I'm just trying to get our family to Brazil. Right. So we're saving, we're being diligent. And, um, man, my kiddos have been such a blessing, but they have made up in their mind that we are going. Why are we going? Because God said, go. And, uh, One thing that I have learned, when God sends you, he will be faithful to fund all of those things necessary for you to go. And um, I'm just seeing a big difference in my kids when they get their allowance. They say, well, daddy, can I put some towards Brazil? And they're getting like 15 bucks. And I don't know if you know how much it costs to go to Brazil, but my family, we're looking at 15,000 just to give you a ballpark. So this is a little bit of, this is a little bit of, Strong faith here to do this, right? To do what God asks you to do and to reach the world, it's going to require a cost and a trust and a dependence in God. You know, and uh, me and Becky have been praying about it. said, man, we really believe that we're going to have to trust God in all of the provision and details. And man, I'm a, I'm a business-minded guy, so I'm looking about, okay, I can move this money here. We can fund it from here, and then we can pay ourselves back here. And I think God is just going to prove himself strong in this, you know, when we did, we did full-time missions for two years and, uh, man, I never didn't go on a trip because of funding. I remember when I was single, it was great. Cause like I only had one plane ticket. Then I married Becky and then we had two plane tickets, two mouths to feed and all of the, all of the budget items and all of those things increased. And then now I got a family and I want to expose my kids to missions and allow them to have the same opportunity to, to have a heart for missions that I did. And um, it's going to be costly, but I have seen them give radically to something they don't even know what they're giving to yet. But we know that when we invest in the nations of the world and we invest in the world around us, how many of you know that investing in the world is in the heart of God? Am I stirring a little bit of heart for changing the world? Because I can give you some concepts, I can give you some points, but if I, if I can really share the heart of passion that I feel like God has given me for the world and get you just a little stirred in that, it will cause you to look bigger and broader than you ever have. James Grayson and Crystal, they're coming not this weekend, but the following. Uh, they're missionaries in Peru, and they do some, some, some different things. We're going to be able to hear from them. Don and Judy went to Peru this last year. We're talking about, man, is there an option for a Peru trip? So if you have missions in your heart, we want to try to give you the opportunity to be exposed to missions. You know, I did full-time missionary work, and when I was doing full-time missionary work, you know what I learned? I didn't want to be a full-time missionary not a bad thing. I tell people all the time, I say, sometimes you learn what you're built for and what you're not built for by, do, by doing it. But I tell you what, my heart fell in love with missions. So we, the church, me, my wife, my family, we are going to support and we have, we have ministry in our vein, our, our missions in our veins, but it's just in a different capacity. Short-term trips going when I feel like God needs me to go, I'm going to go. Do I want my kids to be exposed to missions? Absolutely. Do I want our church to be exposed to missions? Absolutely. Do I think God, do I think God wants us all being exposed to the concept of missions? Absolutely. It's in the heart of God. He's a global God. Okay. Um, should I get to my notes? <laughs> I was looking at some statistics So by projections, by 2033, the Bible will be translated in every language. 
You know how big of a feat that is? That is humongous. That, can you imagine not having the Bible? Like, we, how many of you have more than one Bible at the house? How many of you got too many Bibles in your house, right? And we don't read enough of them, right? Probably. But we, we have, we, it's, it, it's on my phone. It's available. Like, that is not something that we've never thought about not having. Like, I've never grown up and said, hey, man, what's a Bible? Like, we, we don't have the Bible or we don't have the gospel in our translation. But statistics, what they're working on with the, the advances of technology, with all of those things, that by the year 2033, the Bible will be translated in every language, according to statistics. And that is just one ginormous step in really changing the world. Now, these people who are, who are working through the Bible translation, they are doing their part to change the world. But my challenge for you this morning would be, what are you doing to change the world? Now, man, this mission stuff, I know it, but my kids are so, they just don't know it. And they said, well, what? Because I talked to them about sending out newsletters and sending out, you know, getting them to write something. And understand, I got a, I got a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old. So Grace is like, I got to do what? I said, just tell them what you're doing. And I was trying to explain. I said, baby, just because, uh, you know, uh, you can go on a mission trip doesn't mean people can't go on a mission trip. And I said, this is, this is the secret sauce to mission. God has people that will pray. God has people that will give. And God has people that will go. And I tried to explain, I said, baby, we're, we're going this year, but there's some people that want to contribute into missions directly. Guess what? They do it through you. Look, so, I mean, me and Becky, we got it figured out. So if you're wanting to support anything, support my kiddos and let them know you're investing in them. Guess what? Me and Becky can pay our ticket in full. I work full time. I feel obligated to make a huge sacrificial commitment to going on missions. I'm just telling you, that's how I feel about it. Um, and we got a lot of money already socked away, but we need God's grace for us. But uh, I'm telling my kiddos that, you know, God wants people to invest in missions. And they were like, so what do we write? <laughs> so funny, man. Like, I was like, well, just say, hey, we believe that, you know, every, you know, how you can participate in missions is you can pray. You can give or you can go. And when you write that letter to supporters or to people, we definitely want people praying. Right? Because we know that as God has plans, the enemy has plans. It's a spiritual work. It's something that God wants to do. And guess what? If it's something in the heart of God, the devil wants to mess that up. So we always encourage people to pray. And then there's people who want to go but can't go but will give to go. Others to go. Right? And then there's those that go that really are the ones that plant the seed and do the work and are willing to do it. And, um, man, it's such a new concept, and I'm loving it to death that my kiddos are asking. And uh, I, I hope they come back changed like I think they're going to be changed. But I, I, I don't care so much about what they see as much as what is deposited. Because the things that are deposited in us, the thing that God begins to stir, like that stirring of the water, that stirring that we are passionate and we're driven towards certain things. Do you understand that those things change our life forever? It really does. It changes who we are. It changes our outlook. It changes our perspective. I'm going to give you three practical ways this morning real quick to change your world. Because I think sometimes, how many of you know it feels overwhelming when I say, hey, go change your world? How many of you are like, oh, uh, help me? What in the world do I do with that? Seems like a pretty big feat, right? So I'm just going to give you three basic things that we can do um, to change our world practically, personally, um, that I think will make a global impact. Number one, we make disciples. 
You know, I know I shared a whole lot last week about, you know, that, you know, a disciple, I really believe a disciple is one who is discipling others. You may say, I'm a disciple. Well, who are you discipling? Well, I'm not discipling anyone. I believe a true, well-rounded disciple is not only going to be discipled, but they will be making disciples. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Sorry, this is my first verse. Some, some people say, Pastor, you ain't even preaching till you share a verse. Well, here's your verse. So I can preach too while I'm here, all right? Verse 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Can you say all nations? It doesn't say Texas and it doesn't say the United States. It says all nations there. And it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In order for you to teach them everything that Jesus has commanded, how many of you know it's going to take some time and some patience? You can't say, okay, you're saved, baptized, good luck. Smack them on the head and say, good luck, Chuck. Sadly, a lot of us, how many of you, that was kind of your, your walk? That's what, it's kind of figuring it out on your own. It's like, well, just keep coming to church and do what you're doing, brother. Well, I don't know what I'm doing. I've been walking away from God my whole life, and now we're figuring out what following Jesus really looks like. We need some help. We need some mentors. We need some disciples. We need disciples who make disciples. Right? That is the heart of how we change our world. But the call of a disciple is to come and follow, not only believing. So this means go where God is going, do what God is doing. Jesus led his disciples. The disciples didn't just run around wherever they want. They were followers of Jesus. They were focused on his mission, his agenda, and they were always paying attention with what he was doing. I think it was all like, you know, it was kind of like instead of having the lecture and then the lab, it was just like the lab. Oh, whoa, 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 hold on. What? How, how did you do that? You mixed what with what? You did what? And he stood up and started walking. Like, explain to me. And, you know, the cool thing about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is that there was intimate moments in that relationship of discipleship. He would talk in parables and hard ways. And, 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 you know, the people who were really profound, but their hearts were far from God, wouldn't understand the example. But do you know that in the intimate time with Jesus, he would personally explain and communicate what he was doing, why he was doing it, and by what authority and power. He didn't have anything hidden from his disciples. But there was many things hidden from the world. As a disciple, do you understand the Holy Spirit wants to show us all of the things? He wants to give us all of the keys and show us what keys, the, 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 what locks they unlock. And then as we unlock the lock, what's behind the door, he wants to reveal all of these things to us. But we can only make disciples and be a disciple by following what the Holy Spirit is doing and what he's leading. So when we look at the lives of the disciples through the gospel, we see the disciples going through a time of calling, through a time of training, and through a time of releasing. He didn't just say, all right, good luck. Man, they lived together every day. They were rubbing shoulders with Jesus and they were, they were learning and, they were, and they, they were called. We know that there was a calling. Um, you know, each, each disciple had the option to follow or to reject that commission to follow. So it's up to us, right? You know, Jesus never called us just to faith. He called us to follow. You understand that? Like, well, I thought I just had to believe in Jesus. Like, man, I guess we missed really preaching the full gospel, Right? That there is a pursuit. There, there, there's more than just us knowing, but we're to go and make disciples of all nations. We are to reach all people. We are to what? Change the world. The globe around us. 
So we see that Jesus went by the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and he saw Andrew and he asked them, come follow me in Matthew or Mark 1, 16 through 20. And it says, at once they left their nets and they followed him. Then he went a little bit further and he saw James, the son of Zebedee and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And then verse 20, without delay, he called them and he left and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Can you imagine Jesus walking by the ocean and I'm sure there was some he passed by, but when he walked by and he said, hey, I want you, come follow. Oh yeah, man, hey, I want you, I want you. And he personally picked those of us to follow him. Now understand he expanded that picking process, right? Guess what? If you are a son and daughter of God, he has picked you to be his disciple, to come and follow. So to impact, to change our world, we must be a people who actively are making disciples and growing as a disciple. Unapologetically, we have to do it. So when we look at those, the Great Commission, there was three things we had to do. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in water. Okay, so let me give you another quick little plug. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have never been baptized, what are you doing? Well, you see, pastor, I ain't talking about none of that. This next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. We have registration through our church center. There's no excuse. Like, if you're that adamant about getting baptized, let me know. I'll get the guys to start the water right now. Amen. Like, unapologetically, don't make any, any, any excuses for not doing it. Because it says, you know, uh, th this was one of the things. Make disciples, baptize them in water in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's number two. Um, and then number three, teaching them to obey the instructions of Jesus. How many of you know if it's only three things, how many of you know those three things are probably pretty important? None of them are to be mitigated or not looked at. So let's grow in reaching the world through multiplication, through discipleship. When God asks you to come and follow, be willing to follow. All right, so number one, make disciples. Number two of, of ways that we can practically change our world, pray for the power of God to be released to the global church. I'm convinced that God has given his power, his protection, his authority to the church, but we must allow the Holy Spirit free freedom to function as he so desires. Um, God works through people. God works through those who are willing to be used. Um, you know, maybe this morning you're like, well, why don't we see the gifts of God? Why don't we see, you know, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, tongues, interpretation? Why are we not seeing that? Well, listen. As your pastor, I am committing to, to function and do whatever God wants me to do in and through me. But guess what? In a corporate setting, he just does not just use me. Most of the time, he wants to use all of us. So there's going to be a time that maybe you have a word of wisdom. You have a word of knowledge. You have a tongue and you're like, dear God, this tongue thing, I don't know about it, but uh, what do I do with it? Well, you can either keep it or you can share it. And then somebody else perhaps may have the interpretation. And then we see the body of Christ edified and encouraged. And, and we allow the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Yes, amen. Pastor, why aren't you doing it? Because guess what? I ain't, I, he's not using me at all. The, I'm going to fully flow and function in anything he wants me to. But I'm convinced he wants to use all of us. And if you're frustrated about the limit or the lack, have you been obedient to all of the leading of the Holy Spirit? It's not about me not yielding. Man, every Sunday I'm like, Lord, whatever you want me to do. If you need me to do tongues and interpretation, God, give me both. Doesn't matter. But I believe that he is going to use us as a church. It says one has a word, one has a gift, 
And then we got a body of elders. We got leaders. We'll help keep it orderly and working out. Like we'll kind of we'll kind of put the bumpers on the bowling ball so we hit the pins, right? Like I, I would rather be functioning and moving in all of the things of the spirit and kind of like balancing along the way rather than be so scared of messing up that I don't even throw the ball down the chute. Just telling you, like, I mean, I'd rather, you know, us be trying and say, man, I'm trying to, did I, did I miss it? Did I, you know, anytime you step out of the boat, you're going to see a miracle. You might walk for a little bit and then begin to sink, but guess what? <laughs> I got to walk on the water, right? Amen. You get to experience that goodness, but understand if God is doing something in and through you, make sure that you give him the glory and not yourself. Amen. It's not your gift. It's the Holy Spirit's gift that he uses you to give. That's some good stuff this morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Y'all got a slide for that? No, they don't. Okay. Just giving a hard time. So let, let's all cooperate, but asking for the power of God to be released. In Acts 1.8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And now we can teach a whole sermon. What does power mean? I don't know, but we know power is power. Power is not whimby, whimsy, flimsy, fake. And it, power is going to affect not just us, but everyone around us. Okay, so Colossians 1, 6, it says, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and you truly understood God's grace. So when we receive the gospel, we receive the Holy Spirit, that cultivates a change and it produces fruit in our life that guess what multiplies and that we can give that fruit away. We can plant the seed of, of the word of God in the lives of others and that can come to life also. But it says that the word has been being continually expanded. It's been growing among you. How far did it grow? Growing throughout the whole world. Whole world. And that was God's heart. He didn't want it limited to the Jews. The Jews got all kinds of bent out of shape when the Gentiles started receiving the same gift that they got. And they said, wait, I thought this was for us. And they stayed in religion trying to figure it out when God's heart was really about relationship. He was passionate for people, but that was going to be the chosen. He was his chosen people. That's where he started. But guess what? Remember, God is a global God. And he wants to use his global church to accomplish, it, accomplish his purposes. So um, when the gospel is preached, what happens? It produces fruit. The word always works. You got to understand that. The word always works. So faith comes by hearing the word of God, but it's only heard by those speaking it out, communicating it. Um, the word of God, it's twofold. It produces fruit in me, but it also produces life and faith in the life of the hearer, and it will radically change them. But God gives us so many things that we don't deserve. And I'm convinced that the things that God gives us, when he gives us those things, he has other people in mind. But when we receive the Holy Spirit, it says that we will preach the word of God with all boldness, in Acts 13, 44, 48, and 52, sorry, I kind of split all this up, but it says on verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Come on, what do you mean the whole city? All of Bay City shows up, you in a bind. They put speakers outside, standing room only, right? When the word of God begins to speak and the power of God begins to, to release, how many of you know it affects our families? It affects our community which will inevitably affect what? Our world. But it says in that verse 44, everybody came. Paul and Barabbas, they were, they were invited to speak, so everybody was going to show up. And then in, ver in verse 48 says, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And, and, and all of those who were appointed for eternal life believed. 
It says that in verse 52, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, there was a lot of Jews there that were really, really frustrated because they were talking about the gospel going to the Gentiles. And they were, one was super mad at God, at Jesus, and others were blessed. It's going to be like that. You share the gospel, there's going to be some that receive, some that don't. Understand that passage, it says, you know, um, it, all of those who received, for it was their appointed time to receive eternal life. How many of you know that there was, there was, the gospel was probably preached to you before you got saved the first time? Anybody experience that? Like the first time somebody shared Jesus, you might be like, man, well, get out of my face. I don't want to hear that, but keep doing it and that appointed time will come. So um, what keeps the church relevant, uh, relevant, in my opinion, is the power of God. You want to see a church that's growing with its doors full and people keep showing up? They have the power of God operating within their church. They have the spirit of God discern, giving wisdom and words of wisdom and knowledge and giving us everything we need to, to be successful in life. So let's be a church that has, has this church, the, the church of God mindset, allowing him releasing power to the church. So we want to be a people that pray for the power of God in the global church. So remember the persecuted church. We're talking about the global church. This isn't harvest time. This is Baptist. This is Methodist. This is... I mean, Catholic, I'm going to rattle everybody. It doesn't matter. This is the church of God. This is the people who are God followers, those who love God and have a relationship with him. Don't put dividing walls because Jesus never did that. Okay? But pray for the global church. Number three, let me wrap it up here. Ask God to use you. And I'm convinced that, you know, in changing your world, this is one of the things that um, we don't do enough. But God uses willing people. What I mean by willing is be obedient to that that he asks you to do. Respond with, not my will, God, but your will be done. Decide ahead of time to have a radical yes. God, whatever you ask me to do, the answer is yes. Whatever you ask me to do, Lord, the answer is yes. Commit ahead of time to be fully obedient. Isaiah 6, 8, it says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Can you stand up with me? Are you willing to do whatever is needed to change your world? You know, we can pray for global missions. We can give to global missions. Or we can serve by going on global missions. All of these things are needed to accomplish the mission that's in God's heart. Now, I am convinced that God's heart is to use the American church to empower the missions movement. Why do I think that? Man, it is the mo one of the, well, I'm going to say the most financial well-off institution to fund it. We have the resources needed to accomplish the mission that's in God's heart. I want to challenge you, if, if you've never thought about going on a mission trip, you never even thought about the idea of just being exposed to missions. Pray about, pray to God. It, it may be this year's a year you should go or begin to start praying about missions um, or, or begin to look into what mission, what, what's going on in missionaries' lives and the persecuted church around you. You know, in our heart as a church, we bring missionaries in to, sh to keep you connected with the, with the mission's goal of, the, uh, of God's heart. We want you to be aware of the world around us. So the three things that we can do to intentionally change our world is through making disciples, praying for the global church, 
and asking to be used by God. Can we just for a moment this morning ask God to expand our heart for the world? Put your hand on your heart. Because unless he does something with his hard, callous thing, man, it's going to be hard to have the passions and the desires of, heart, of, of God. But can you say, Lord, give me your heart. Say it with your mouth. Come on. Give me your heart for the world. Say it one more time. Give me your heart for the world. Now, like I said, God uses willing people. God uses willing people. And I want to challenge you today, this morning, if you are willing to commit to God by saying, Lord, use me in whatever capacity you see fit to change the world. Can I get you to just lift your hand radically and boldly this morning? Lord, use me however you see fit. Let me pray over you. Lord, I thank you for each hand raised in this place. Father, that you use willing people that you use people who are just submit to your will. And Father, as your disciples, we will go where you, where we will follow where you lead. So Father, as Lord, this morning, there is a radical commitment in this place to do what it is that you call us to do, to change our world. So Father, I pray for in that, there would be just an act of radical obedience. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing and what you're gonna continually do. Lord, I thank you that our church is a mission-minded church. Father, that you will use harvest time specifically to impact the nations of the world. Father, I thank you that some will pray. And Lord, I thank you that some will give. But Father, we will also have some that go. And Father, I thank you this morning for our commitment to do whatever is necessary for each of us to change our world. Put your hand back down. Look at me just for a moment. You need to remember this moment because with that saying, Lord, use me, he's going to give you the specifics of how he wants to use you. And don't say, I was just playing. Right? But God knows the capacity. God knows what you can and can't do. But ultimately, God knows what you need to do. And as he leads you in all of those things, you will find yourself being most satisfied. Now, through this series, I'm going to bring it all together. We talked about leading our families. I hope you do not neglect that. I mean, I want to reach the nations of the world, but if I fail with my family, I have probably forsaken my most important priority in this season of my life. I got three children that are looking to me not to just protect and to, to feed and to clothe, but to, that I got the opportunity to instill the things of God in leading them in a way into righteousness. And then guess what? We talked about serving our community. We got community groups launching in a few weeks. Like we got an opportunity to invest in our community, to love those like that are in arm's reach. I often think, man, if we don't reach them, man, should we be sent around the face of the earth to love those and we can't love the ones right next to us? Right? Let's not jump over our community and go to the world, but let's serve our community as we go and we reach the world. And I probably have given you more than enough to think about reaching the world. But I believe that if we focus on all of these things this year, we will accomplish what is in the heart of God. But our whole, if I were to say, what is the heartbeat? First and foremost, we said the word expansion. God wants to definitely expand everything we're doing. But the heartbeat of this mission for this year is to love people better.
Think about it. Love people better. Amen? It's a good series. Full of all kinds of stuff. You could chew on this, guess what, the rest of the year. But I believe what God is birthing and what God is doing now, this is just the beginning of what he wants us to walk through through this year. So this isn't the end. Don't say, oh man, that was a great series. I wonder what's next. No, we're now we're going to really live out this series throughout this year and until God redirects or changes what we're doing because it's in his heart, because the world is in his heart, the community is in his heart, and his family is in our heart. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.